Welcome back, one. Printhouseers, to another episode of Printavo Printhouseers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our co-host, Stephen Fair, got a Campus Inc., who's in Chicago today, enjoying the sun. I've heard it's a lot warmer there. And we've got our very special guest, John Amano from Jute Mode. Good What's to see up, you John? Guys. Thanks for having me on. I've got a lot of questions about Jute Mode, but hold on, John. One quick second. Stephen, you sent me a late night text about a camera to buy for content. I was just curious now that we're recording this, what were you like? What was the kick as far as what did you want the camera for? We used to share an office. And so you were always in the corner just talking to the camera. And now you're not there anymore because you're in California. And so I'm trying to replace and the camera. And so the cardboard cutout is there. I just need the camera the and then the voiceover. The yeah. Wait, uh, no. uh, but you said you guys are doing a big content day there. Yeah, we, um, so Jeff Urban does all of our video stuff and we made a huge emphasis on the video last spring and he flies in from Colorado like quarterly to do work. He does a bunch of stuff for Printavo as well. And we want to be able to just record high quality stuff and send it to him. Something Adam and I have been talking about doing is this whole thing of like building our business outwardly or being a little bit more vulnerable and kind of just like vlogging a little bit, but just talking to our customers a little bit more. We really only do it when Jeff's in and he records us. And so Adam and I are like, we need to, we need to start doing it ourselves a little bit more so your absence has motivated us Bruce. it's so quiet actually no you guys were you guys since there's so many more sales minded people there was a lot of talking all the time so that's interesting i mean it is it is tricky like how do you think you use the videos though is it to set is it for seo or is it for social or is it to like for sales videos to say here's what is an idea for you guys or what i don't know we're just starting to see and john you could probably allude to this because you were like john you were like you have to get on TikTok at some point yeah. right i don't know it's it's crazy to know the secondary effects of video right like it's posted there once it's there forever but you have it as ammo for the rest of your like business and it's just like you're building up a ton of ammo to use whether it's sales marketing and the subject of your emails a demo customer highlight just like it validates what you're doing so much more outwardly you know whether it's customers or other businesses are kind of creeping on you it validates your business as well. I don't know, John, how do you guys use video? Because I know you're doing a lot of juke mode. We're using video a lot more. We actually have somebody come in once a month and he shoots video for us. We use it for really basic stuff as simple as ads. The YouTube channel isn't very fancy, but we use it a lot for customer education. And so we have email flows set up where we might be embroidering a crew sweatshirt. And we just want to show our customers, hey, this is what it looks like when we embroider this crew sweatshirt to let them know this is the process behind what we do. A lot of our videos are like that, but you're just, especially with social media, you're seeing a lot of upside to shorter videos, your TikTok style videos, which also Instagram's doing reels. And so if you're on TikTok, it's easy to put something on a reel or vice versa. And you're seeing a lot more engagement that way. We don't do high-end videos that often. We do a lot that are just shot with our mobile phones. We do see a lot of engagement. People seem to be attracted to motion in their feed. And so when that motion comes through, it, it often, it's a thumb stopper. And so we use it in those ways primarily. And then we're pretty active on our blog. We'll put it on our blog as well. So John, I don't know where we met a long time ago. I think yeah, the first like time we chatted was, we're buying our split belt dryer. Right. A long yeah, time I ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
It's a, yeah, it's a you dryer. actually convinced my business partner to get a split belt dryer. Right. I, it's well, pretty hard you know, to do. I, th I still think it's a good purchase. <laughs> you know, that split belt gives you a lot of versatility, especially if you don't have multiple dryers, it seems like the sensible thing to do. Yeah. You can run different speeds, different different inks if you need to. So, so I think we might have been so, in a Facebook group together, and then you knew that I had the dryer. And so we were probably mm -hmm. chatting virtually prior to that, and then that was the first thing yeah. we had. How long, and you've been on Printavo too, right? I'm not sure how long while. you've been on it. Probably, we're pushing, probably been on four years. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have to cancel at the same time. Wait, John, how do you use, so with the video, you post it on social, you post it on YouTube, but it sounds like yeah. it's more of an ad driver and also just kind of social proof on Instagram. But you're doing it with your phone more, which I think is interesting because I think some people get overly wrapped up with like, it's gotta be super high end, it's gotta yeah. be you know professional, I need person, I don't know where to start, but you just grabbed your phone. What is that? What are you recording? And then do you edit it on your phone or do you send it to someone? We'll edit on our phone. You know, really to do good videos on your phone, you you need a tripod for your phone and then simple editing software. Most of us here probably have Adobe Suite. Adobe has an app called Adobe Rush, which is hmm. for mobile, and you can edit videos on your phone really easily. So that's a really good that's a really good app to have if you're doing videos on your phone. We'll do a lot of stop motion type videos. Ooh, um, how do you do that? Is that an app that does it? Well, no, you edit it with Adobe Rush. Oh. And sort of the the tripod comes in handy because then you the phone isn't moving, the video stays in place, but then you can change the motion. And doing that video editing software makes it pretty easy to do that. Those are really good for ads. GIF style videos are really good for ads, things like that. You can loop things as well. So if you want it to play more than three seconds or six seconds, you, you can go back and forth. But one of the biggest ways that we use video is, is with our email flows because we're trying to educate customers of what we do behind the scenes. Steven gave me a hard time because I posted a video a few weeks ago where I was explaining how we burn a screen and we aren't CTS yet. We're still using film, but it's interesting for a customer who doesn't know how a shirt is made to see that. We've even taken some of our videos that we put on TikTok and we've uploaded them to YouTube as well. But I think with the growing popularity of TikTok, you're seeing more natural videos that aren't as high end it's yeah. becoming more and more common and That's people true. are actually looking for those. And it's neat. You can put music to it. They're very simple edits that you can make within that app that can help you create a really nice video. If you have the Adobe Suite, if you're subscribed to it, you can download Adobe Rush for free. Even, I believe, iMovie. Yeah. I'm not a Mac guy. There's one called you know, uh, Splice, really too, I really like on the Earth. phone. I have edited yeah. a ton yeah. of videos on the phone so with Splice. So let's backtrack for a second, John. For those just, just finding out about Jute Mode, tell us about Jute Mode. You are, you know, retail. T give us give us the pitch real quickly because I think you guys have a really, really special business. Yeah, so we do two different things. We do custom decoration, just like most people are listening to this. So we do screen printing and embroidery in-house, promo products as well. But we actually got our start as more of a retail brand. I started doing t-shirts in 2007. I had a shirt idea that was licensed by the Ohio State University. For anyone who is a football college football fan, particularly Ohio State, their head football coach at the time was Jim Tressel, and he'd wear a sweater vest and a tie on the sidelines at each game. And so I made a shirt that was essentially like a tuxedo t-shirt for Coach Tressel. Um, it had white sleeves sewn into a red body, a screen printed tie and logo. And so that's kind of how I got into the business. I was licensed with Ohio State. I picked up a University of Michigan license, University of Toledo, and then Bowling Green as well. And that was kind of the progression mm. of the business. When Trestle left, I think that was 2011 or 2012, I just kind of knew the writing was on the wall that this might be happening. I kind of knew I needed to change my business in order to keep it to grow. 
or continue to grow. And I was receiving a lot of requests for custom screen printing. I found a small sh shop space, bought some used equipment, and uh, just started printing manually. And that would, would have been the end of 2011. And so 2012 would have been the first year I was screen printing on my own for other people. We still have the balance of the retail business. We do a lot of Toledo, Ohio specific apparel, but we also branch out into the state of Ohio, Midwest, Michigan, the Great Lakes, things like that. And now we have two retail stores where we sell our own stuff. We sell online quite a bit. Our balance last year kind of leaned more towards the retail. We're about 60-40 with custom or B2B being uh, the 60%. If you don't follow Jute Mode on Instagram, do it right now because their content is awesome. But really, John, like when COVID hit, you had pivoted. But like when we started talking, that's when you dove really into Facebook ads and email campaign. Right. I mean, maybe you were doing it before. Maybe that's just when we started talking about it. Tell us about that because you are like a mad scientist when it comes to Facebook ads. <laughs> ads now. Go for it. We spent a fair amount of time with it. You know, we had a foundation set up. We've been on Shopify for a number of years. And so we were poised to at least make the most of everything that happened last year. And when the stay at home orders hit, when COVID became a real problem, we were fortunate that we could sell online and that we had a platform set up to do that. I was diving into ads prior to that. I had taken some online courses and I was really able to ramp up my spend, scale it up a fair amount. We saw a lot of growth in e-commerce. We're still seeing that growth roughly a year later. My last six to 12 months have been focused a lot on marketing for e-commerce. So that's Facebook ads, that's Google ads, that's SEO related things. I'm a believer that social media is for branding. It doesn't really sell. And I think you have to pay to play to a certain extent or be intentional about what you're doing. And we do a lot of emails as well. We've really matured in that way over the last year and it's become a big part of our, our business on both uh, sides, the B2B and the D2C. Check out John's content. It's not spammy. It's super meaningful. It's super like almost organic. It's incredible. Give us a range of how much you think you've spent on Facebook ads in the last year? I would say it was probably in September, we started spending about 400 bucks a day on Facebook ads. We, it ballooned quite a bit in November and December where we're getting up to 500 a day. I think Black Friday weekend, we were seeing a thousand plus a day. I think we saw a $2,000 day. You know, the rough math is that probably for the last nine months, we've been spending 12 to $15,000 a month on, on Facebook ads. We spend another, I think I'm a little over 200 a month on Google ads. It's our 200 a day on Google ads. And we're really using that to drive traffic. We're fortunate that we're selling individual items so that we can track that return a lot easier. Some of it is focused on, on custom, but it is a lot of it is for individual t-shirts, sweatshirts, things like that. You know, it, it's fueled our growth. There's a big difference between Google ads and Facebook ads, just because of the intent behind Google ads. If somebody's searching on Google and they find it, there's an intent there where Facebook's more demand generation. And so I think we needed to do both. Our priority, hopefully this year, is going to switch more to SEO and, and Google ads. Wow. So yeah, holy cow. that is... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that I can crazy. only dream of spending that much, but also generating a return, right? It's not like you're just spending it to spend it, right? Which is right. awesome. Yeah, and There's we're so much to unpack there. Yeah, we caught a wave last year. People couldn't go to a brick and mortar store, so they had to shop online. So it was just kind of picking up naturally. In a way, Facebook ads were low-hanging fruit for us. We were doing a good job with our website. We were doing a good job with our social media. And this is part of the reason I, I'm not convinced that social media sells or is an effective tool for that. We needed to write ads, to write copy, 
to control the placement a little bit bit more in order to sell. You know, sometimes just putting that button shop now on a post, turn into an ad can make all the difference or writing something to engage a customer a little bit more so that it's about selling. And social media, I don't think should always be about selling. I think it's more about building relationships. I think it's about creating a connection with, with your customer rather than selling. This is There's so much to unpack here because I think shops listening are like, I wanna spend money on Facebook ads. Yet yeah. your last blog that we did or Luke had done for Printava was, you should not boost a post on Facebook, right? right? And You just talked you know, about a bunch of very important things that I think we should we should go through. Can you kind of yeah. dive into or even that? John, just like really good best practices of, of Facebook ads, because I think every single person listening, including myself, maybe you too, Stephen, has gone through like Facebook ads, created them, spent X amount of money and then been like, I don't know where the money went. What happened? We we <laughs> joke about it. It's like giving a six year old a super soaker. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, and with unlimited water with unlimited water and I was just on a call with John two days ago or yeah like picking his brain about something and then Adam and I came back we're like okay we're gonna do this here we go but John there are some very defined rules of the way you pay for ads I think one of the big things you said early was it's for a retail brand or it's for an item right right so talk to us a little bit about that because I think it's important so it is important that we're selling a physical item because rather than a service because it makes it easier to track okay because you have your Facebook pixel set up and so it'll know when somebody goes to your website and buys an individual item you can see your return on ad spend you can see how much they how much they spent at your website things like that and so that's one of the advantages of Facebook ads I would say that Facebook ads are, are really trendy right now they're a little bit they, they are a little bit more difficult than some other forms of marketing or advertising. I would tell somebody if they're looking to, to grow their business or promote their business, advertise, that the first two places to start would be email and then it'd be SEO. And so we we send a lot of emails. We send a lot of emails to our, our custom customers, so B2B as well as D2C. And one thing that we've done lately is we've set up email flows that are automatic. And so we actually connected Printavo to Klaviyo, which, which is what we use for email. Through what, Zapier or something? Yes, through Zapier, okay? And so once a status is triggered in Printavo, complete ready for pickup or complete shipped, which are two statuses that we use, that customer is entered into Klaviyo. They're entered into an email list and then a 12-month email flow is triggered from there. And we stay in touch with that customer. Your best customer is... Your... Wait, but John, how does that work with the individual communication with the customer? So let's say, you know, they, they reach out for a quote or, you know, you're in progress there with a job. And then it's out in Klaviyo. Obviously, you don't want to have duplicate conversations or like you want it to... Or, right. or, is, it, or is that okay because it's more of a company email going out, less of a it, personal thing? A lot of people interpret them as personal. And if you write it correctly, it can be seen that way. The customer is only entered into the email flow after an order is complete. Sure. And with the way the list, the customer list are set up in Klaviyo at least, a customer can only be entered into that once. And so that's actually a problem I have because once they go through 12 months, I need to re-engage them in a different way. And if somebody actually isn't opening those emails, I want to try again and a new email flow might help do that. And so I'm actually going to reactivate a new one 
in a few months here. There are some tricks to how you, you send emails, but the nice thing about an automated email flow is that these emails are going out and you're not doing anything, okay? Got it. So you're sitting back, this... you're staying in touch with the customer, and this is how we, we talked about videos earlier. This is how we use those videos. We'll just automatically have a video go out after 30 days that tells people about the history of our company or how we embroidered crew sweatshirts or how we screen print vintage t-shirts. Got it, so um, it's forever good. It's not like relevant right. in that time exactly okay if you were to think about it you're generating content in the shop you're using content right. that could be used generically right. customer shops with you guys on printavo and now right. you know for the next 12 months they're at least going to stay informed right and you're top and of mind Exactly. And, and, and that's what I think is shops want Facebook ads. You're saying email marketing, right? Yeah. A lot easier, it sounds like. Yeah, you're going to get a much better return on spend with email. First of all, okay. because of the volume that you can, emails that you can send to people and the different ways that you can do it. And you can track it. I think it makes so much more sense, no matter how tech savvy you are, how email works, open rates, click-through rates. You're not worrying about audiences, lookalikes, uh, website custom audiences, things like that. Email is really straightforward. And I think if you set up some automated email flows, it goes a long way. That's something so, that we really John, plain text about. versus like creative emails. Are you sending any that are just simple plain text? We send both. One of our highest open rates right now is an email that I think gets sent out after three and a half months that just says, do you have any upcoming projects that we can help with? I think on Tuesday of this week, five people responded to me on that one. And that's plain text. And so we send a combination. You have an HTML or plain text. And you see different, I mean, there are advantages to either. Got it. Wow. How often do these emails go out? Is it once a month? We're sending them out every, every 30 days at a minimum. We're trying to make it last, this email flow last 12 months. Months, and I bet we have 16 emails in it. You don't want it to be so sparse that people forget about you. And you know, our open rates, they, they fluctuate you know, from email to email from anywhere from 20 to 50%. Those are really strong open rates. So then John, okay, let's talk about your B2C business, right? So like mm -hmm. someone comes into the shop and buys something from Jute Mode or buys something online. Technically speaking, there are a lot more of those. So for other shops that right. might not have a retail brand, it could be like for us at Campus Inc, customers that buy through a merch store. Do you start marketing to them for retail or do you start trying to transition them into wholesale or both? We do both. You want to cross sell. You want to cross promote. Okay. One thing that's important about email in particular, if you have an email address, that's essentially something that you've earned. Okay. You've earned by doing business with them. They signed up. It's not your email, but you own the right to to contact the person at that email. Whereas Facebook ads, they're in control. No Reason was banned for three days a couple weeks ago. And so I couldn't serve ads. But because I have an email list set up, I could still email people and stay, stay in touch that way. Customer list that you own is more valuable than one that Facebook owns or any other organization like that. And so we have a lot of interactions with a lot of businesses. You know, our email list, I think is 25 to 30,000. And you just build it up over years and that there's a lot of lifetime value for that you know what and that's something Stephen, you've talked about too with email marketing from stores as one of the biggest hidden secrets of yeah you got all these customers coming in forget the facebook stuff and the retargeting and lookalikes but just email these are all new potential leads I mean, they're going to order or their friends or somebody's going to order stuff. I saw a conversation somewhere on Facebook on 
the ethical and if it was if it was ethical to market to a customer that bought through one of your merch stores to sell them wholesale and it was this whole thread and i was just like the answer is yes the answer is yes <laughs> the answer is yes when we run a merch store at any given point we probably have 40 to 50 you know at any given point we're adding like one to two thousand new customers a week right. it's yeah, an yeah. it and and if we're if we're just looking at our bulk orders we're doing 60 70 bulk orders a week right so like it's 20 to 30 times when you run merch and so when i get on my merch high horse and people say they don't want to spend a hundred dollars how much would you pay for 200 new emails a week 500 new emails a week 100 right. new emails a week right there's no those are true emails because they actually bought from you when you're buying a list it's not like you're doing facebook ads and right. so i always tell shops merch is the best merch or retailing or going b2c is the easiest way to the, the feed on your business and like create a ton of exposure and then you start working with it and then you can you know start sending follow-ups i guess john like for someone getting started right because some people i'll be honest the first time we chatted and we went through all the facebook ads i was like wow like john is in world yeah. series of yeah. poker style yeah. i mean it's in it's intense <laughs> it's overwhelming but it is it is an acquired taste because you're like you're kind of addicted to it in the sense that you're taking more classes now you're getting better at it what are the basic building blocks for a shop like what is the e-commerce besides merch obviously for for stores shameless plug but if you're retailing what website should you be using so for like an e-commerce platform we use shopify Right. You know, it's worked really well for us. A lot of the stuff that I read, Shopify is the elephant in the room. That's what you use. Okay. So, so if you're selling WordPress, Wix, Squarespace. I mean, it depends on it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but you you just you have so many more features with Shopify. I think it's a better user experience. And if you look at the top 50 direct to consumer websites on the internet, they're either going to be a custom build, they're going to be Shopify, probably Shopify Plus, and there might be some Magento in there. You don't see Big Commerce, you don't see Squarespace, you don't see Wix, and so it depends on how much you want to invest and what what your ambition is. And so we actually run our merch stores through Shopify as well. We we started that prior to Printavo Merch, but it just you know is the is what I think is the best option for us, and especially on the DDC side, if you're selling directly to consumer, Shopify has been great for us. There are obviously other options out there. We were Squarespace at one point, but as we've grown and as we've sold more, this is kind of yeah, where we've landed. It is so easy to set up a Shopify. I think it's eighty bucks. They a have month. an incredible tool, especially for it's, a brand like. Them. I mean, look right. at their stock price. I think yeah. they're like trading yeah. at twelve hundred dollars right now, and four years ago it was at forty bucks. Right, like they are are the tool for e-commerce. I don't think there's anything to hide about that. If you're um, running any sort of serious brand, yeah, absolutely no brainer to get on that. I I'm very curious, like Farrick talked about this as just being, there's a lot getting in the ads. What is just the high level starting blocks? Like John, when you were getting going, right? The first couple yes. months and, and try to bring in some of those lessons learned that maybe you made a mistake on or spend too much on. So we don't have to do that. <laughs> Selfish. Yeah. There are two resources for information that have been really helpful for me. First thing is actually Twitter. There are a lot of people that are in the paid ad game that freely share information. And so I've actually learned quite a bit on that. The other thing is I took, I've taken some courses from Foxwell Digital, you know, a, a small shop out of Wisconsin and they have courses on Facebook ads. And so one of the first things that you should do is buy one of the courses. They're a la carte. I think they're anywhere from three to 500 bucks. If you're going to jump into Facebook ads, you're going to get your money back. 
back. It's going to pay you pay you back many times over. It certainly has for me. You know, you do it at the same time. You start reading what's out there. You take the course and you experiment with ads. Start with a small budget. Figure things out. One of the most important things is trying to figure out your campaign structure. So it's how to split things up, how to build audiences, and then you know how to create ads from there. Anybody can create an ad. That's pretty straightforward. I would say separating the audiences is probably more important. I separate audiences based on the sales funnel, whether at the top, the middle, or the bottom of the sales funnel. Primarily for me, Facebook should be used to acquire new customers. Of course, I do some retargeting, but I'm focusing more on lookalike audiences or even wide open campaigns where there aren't any restrictions. Wait, so John, this is a lot of information. What is the... What is the top, middle, and bottom more specifically? The top of your funnel is going to be prospects. It's customer, or it's potential customers that aren't aware of who you are. And so that's gonna be a, a more difficult customer for you to, to win over. A couple of things that are important for Facebook ads in this scenario, you're gonna to wanna to use exclusion. So in Facebook ads and your ad set, you create your audience and you can create some exclusions. And an exclusion there might be 30 day web visitors, 180 day purchase. And so you're excluding people that have been to your website in the last 30 days, purchase from you in the last 30 days. And you can even exclude people that have engaged with you on social media, on Facebook or, or Instagram. And that way you know you're going top of the funnel, brand new customers, so that you can focus on acquiring new business. The middle of the funnel is gonna be existing customers that haven't purchased in a while. And so a good audience there, you can connect. Well, I use Klaviyo. Klaviyo connects to your Facebook ads. You can import or upload your Facebook, your email list to Facebook. And so that's generally a pretty good audience. One reason it's a good audience is because even if somebody's unsubscribed, technically still serve an ad to them with that method, okay? If they're suppressed or unsubscribed on your email list, you can still catch them if they're on Facebook. You do similar ex exclusions there where you're excluding 30-day web purchasers things like that so that these so that you know that these are people are familiar with you but haven't made a purchase in a while okay that's the important thing there it can even there are also things called website custom audiences so it could be people that have purchased two times in the last 180 days top 25 percent of visitors things like that it gets a little technical but the middle of a funnel it's a warmer audience that you're trying to re-engage, that are engaged with you, that have purchased in the past. And you're typically retargeting them, coming back to them and saying, hey, this is something new. You might have a loyalty play there, a discount for somebody who's ordered a handful of times, something like that. There are even ways where you can create dynamic ads. Somebody has viewed a specific product. You guys are familiar with this. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you, you go to a website, you see a product you like, you don't buy it. 15 minutes later, you're gonna see an ad for that product on Facebook or Instagram. And that's a dynamic product ad, which is being served to you because the Facebook pixel can track what you view on that website. And so that would be the bottom of the funnel, would be used for things like that. Got it. That's, so, uh, by the way, if you guys wanna dive more into this, we did a, almost an hour with Jahan on his account, showing us how it all works. And we'll link to that in the, in the description as well below. John, for someone that wants to get started in this, there's some classes that you've taken, you know, right. what would you recommend uh, for where to learn this? You said Twitter, is there is there any, anything else? I know there was a, a couple classes that you really liked or, or learned a ton from. Yeah, so the Foxwell digital courses are great. Also, Andrew Foxwell is very active on Twitter. So if you start following him, you're going you're gonna to find a bunch of other people that are posting about it. Common Thread Collective is a company out in California. 
and they have a lot of blog posts that are really helpful. They're an agency that does a lot of paid ads. That's really helpful. We also, if you're doing a lot of business online, there's an e-commerce group. You have to be a member to be a part of it and they only accept certain people. You have to do about a million in sales a year in e-commerce to join. There are some exceptions where if you have a different type of business that kind of gets you over that threshold, they let you join. But I'm a member of e-commerce fuel, it's called. And so there's a lot of information on there. There's some trainings, things like that. There's some good podcasts out there. Andrew Foxwell is part of a podcast called the e-commerce influence podcast. He talks about Facebook ads a lot. So that's a good resource. There are also some in the same way that we have private screen printing groups, there are some private Facebook groups as well or for specifically Facebook and Instagram ads. Sometimes it requires that you're already spending, but those are some good resources. And it's one of those things, just like when you learn how to screen print, you've got to do it on a regular basis. You've got to check in day to day. You've got to continue to learn. There are a lot of resources out there. Andrew Foxwell, I think, is just a really good place to start because he's a trusted source and you're going to find other people who have really good information from there. I would just say he's a good starting point. You might end up somewhere else and learn from somebody else and that's great, but I just know that if you start with Andrew Foxwell, you're going to be or in Foxwell Digital, you're going to be in a good spot. Just switching gears here back to retail because I find it very interesting as, you know, we talk about trying to really focus in what is your niche obviously doing running retail running custom we did an interview with rockford art deli which does this too and it's not easy right they are two different businesses in essence but you know through COVID, it seems like that really helped to be diversified here how how do you manage how do like how did you see go across from managing both of them is there like a general manager on one side or the other that helps or a partner or what does that look like and then also on top of that with the two retail stores that's not a small thing either and keeping that up and pushing those forward we do have a dedicated team just to retail and i'm involved to a certain extent but this week we just hired a, a retail supervisor so if somebody to manage a lot of the day-to-day operation. The diversity in our business, having that balance helped us tremendously last year. We were really fortunate that we had that. I think one of the takeaways for a lot of people last year is that you just have to have some balance or diversity in your business to survive these harder times. And that could be as simple as doing embroidery as well as screen print or doing promo products. But for us, definitely it was the retail business combined with the custom business that helped us tremendously. And we do have employees that are specific just to retail. A creative director for our retail brand, she does all of our designs. We have retail store employees. Granted, they cross over a little bit when custom customers come in. But we probably have a half a dozen employees, full-time employees that spend the majority of their time in the retail business. And the good thing is we did see a lot of growth last year. And so we're able to justify that a little bit more. It's a much different business because you're balancing inventory. Um, You're trying to gauge demand. We do have advantages over other smaller boutiques because we can decorate in-house. So it gives us some flexibility. We do small runs when we need to. We do quick turns when necessary. We have more control over it than if we were to outsource it. So the retail brand has definitely created some synergy for the custom decoration side, especially in social media. We're, gotcha. we're able to promote that. People John, John do you think as an owner of the company, retail has trained you to run a cleaner business? Like because you are so outward facing now, like sometimes I feel like in custom, we just fly by the seat of our pants. But in retail, like the show's on all the time. I actually think the retail side is more difficult because, right. and I've struggled with it more just because it's so hard to predict demand you're holding inventory which otherwise you don't have to the b2b side is a lot more straightforward to me because we're not holding inventory 
you know, you're not outlaying a lot of cash. Hopefully you're getting paid up front. You're only printing what you need. You're not putting something online and assuming or hoping it's gonna sell. You can, you can have a sales rep, which is easier to track. I think the return on, on spend more than ads sometimes. It's a lot more relationship-based. I can go on and on. I, I struggle. <laughs> customer service. We've been I talking mean, it, about but, that from but the customer Steven, services, it, right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's two separate companies and, and we're getting into, heavy, we're, we're heavy in Shopify with running the right. brands of others, making sure that a shop has a good plan before they just say, I wanna start this. But a little bit is, is a little bit of a risk, right? Like you take a little bit of a risk, yeah. you put yourself out there, you take calculated risks, you see how it goes, mm -hmm. you keep adding fuel to it. But I think the, the whole thing is, I think shops are in a position now where they will start having to go direct to consumer, whether it's for Absolutely. their own brand or on behalf of other clients. I think we're seeing a huge, huge movement into that. Yeah, I agree. It's it's hard to to deny that the future. It, it seems certain that you need to be able to do that, and you know it's a competitive advantage of ours. Anybody in the industry that we handle the decoration on our own, we understand the nuance of that. You know, we have relationships with other retail stores, and it's very advantageous for them to work with us because they can see what we're doing on our retail end and implement that for themselves and rely on our expertise that way. And I mean, it's hard to predict what's gonna happen, but I certainly think that you need to be able to go direct to the consumer. Yeah, thank you, John, for sharing. Again, you guys can follow him at Jupe Mode on, on, on Instagram. Are you on TikTok too? You're talking about TikTok a lot. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. We're All right, check him out Facebook, on TikTok. Instagram, TikTok, yeah. John, check we're gonna turn uh, you into the John Fox or whatever of screen print, like uh, <laughs> SEO and ads and all that stuff. So watch out, everybody. All right, yeah, if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out. I'll do my best to help. And It's John at jupemode.com. Yeah, right? John is super, super helpful and open with that. And we'll drop a couple links down below. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys on next week's episode of Printavo Print Hustlers Podcast. Dope. Thanks, dude.